Bonsoir, j'étais dans Vera Montreal, la dernière première. I think that's how you say last week. J'adore that city, the city of love. And this is the show of sex, the CKW Sunday night sex show, the show where we educate men and women about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. I am Maureen McGrath. I am hosting this show for you, this two-hour show, this live. I am coming to you live tonight for two hours, and I hope you'll come with me. Tonight on the program, I will be talking about lots of different subjects, as usual, because you know I like variety. So in the interest of my trip to Montreal, I will be talking menage à toi. Unfortunately, the only threesome I had in Montreal, to clarify things, was fabulous food, wine, and patisserie. And I really don't usually engage in all three of those, especially all at once. As you know, I don't really like to eat so much sugar. But one thing I did have was Ginny Fowl. I'm not sure if you've ever had that before, but uh, it is a hen that lives near the water. Well, no more, because we pretty much consumed all of the Ginny Fowl there was. Anyway, it was a great time, and, uh, you know, just brings you back to um, just the old world and all the old, beautiful old streets of Montreal. And, of course, the I had a fabulous driver while I was there, <laughs> Fadi, of course, uh, has only luxury vehicles, and uh, that just made my trip that much nicer. I can tweet out his, uh, if you need to drive around in a Rolls Royce in Old Montreal, I can give you his contact information. Anyway, uh, he's married, so don't go for that. Uh, back to me. It's all about me, isn't it? No, it's not all about me. It's all about Mike. Mike, thank you so much for being here on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex oh, Show. It's my pleasure to be back here again. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, this is not an easy show to be the board operator on, you know? Oh, but it's fun, though. <laughs> it's definitely fun. It's educational, fun. too. It's, it's educational. Great. I do quiz you every now and again. You do? And that's you good. get all the answers right, which is fantastic. You have been I've, listening. I have been. That's, that's fantastic. Thank well, thank you so much. So I appreciate your being here and helping me out with all the buttons because I'm not... Used to pushing these buttons, other buttons, but not these. Anyway, uh, so that's great. I'm going to learn, though, and hopefully you're going to learn a thing or two tonight as well. Going to start out the night with letting you know that it's time to put the kids to bed. Do you hate this day or what? I hate this day. <laughs> I don't hate much. I really despise this day when I lose an hour of sleep, activity, productivity, things to do. I've been up since the crack of dawn, uh, 5.30 this morning. The It was actually fake 5.30. No, fake 6.30, real 5.30. I don't like to fake it. Anyway, every now and again you have to. So when I was on the Jill Bennett show this morning, giving you the foreplay of what was to come tonight, I will say that uh, do put the children to bed. Listener discretion is advised, especially around sex education and sexuality. So it's time to put those little munchkins to bed and grab your glass of wine, perhaps your lover, Lie down if you like. Uh, prone is good too. <laughs> whatever, supine, whatever position you like. We're going to be talking about positions a little bit later. I'm going to get into that. I forgot about the menage a trois positions uh, last week, so I'll be reviewing those this evening as well. I wrote a blog, so you can have a look at that. You can go to my blog or my website, backtothebedroom.ca. My blog is on there, and so you can. I had a question about. Uh, 
menage a trois, and I decided to answer it through the blog. But tonight on the program, I'm going to be talking about why vaginal exams are important for women. I also wrote a blog about that, just trying to get my points across, just in case nobody is listening to me. Anyway, hopefully you're listening, but it's really important, and I am really on about this because so much can be missed. So we'll get into that a little bit later. I also want to talk about why it is so important that women are included in clinical research. Historically, it has always been men who've been included in clinical research, and men and women are actually biologically quite different, men being far more uh, similar to chimps than they are women genetically. And that's nothing against the guys. It's just a uh, pretty good uh, representation of them, though. But anyway, no, you know I love you guys out there, so don't you worry about that. Um, also going to be talking about why good cholesterol may not be good, may not be so good for you after all. And may clear up a little bit about the good cholesterol and the bad cholesterol and, and why some people with good cholesterol, high levels of good cholesterol, may be at as much risk of heart disease as somebody who smokes. So you know how I feel about smoking. Don't like the big smoking thing. Anyway, so try and quit that if you can. I'm really excited that the It Factors It Factor, who inspired time integrated training, is Getting it on here tonight on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Johanna Ward is joining me in studio, and I look forward to that. I'm also going to be reviewing your emails. So that'll be a little bit later in the program because some of them, well, one in particular, was a bit risque. So we're going to have to save that for later on. Remember, this is now a two-hour show. More sex, longer sex, better sex, slower sex. We got it all for you here tonight on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show and every Sunday night. So, I love your emails, but I adore your phone calls even more. So, the number to call me and talk to me is 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. That's 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. So... Feel free to call me and ask me any question you like about sex, love, relationships, intimacy, health. Everything is related to sex. And so no question is out of bounds unless it's out of bounds. Um, so just be mindful of, of the question. But, you know, I'm happy to chat to you. And if you have something to contribute or you feel that I'm not addressing a problem, a particular problem in a way that you feel is necessary, by all means, I'd love to hear your opinion. So as you know, I love to chat and I love to chat with you. So do give me a call 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. So when I come back, as I said, the it factors, it factor is joining me. That is Johanna Ward. And we are going to talk about why Exercise is so important, not only to your physical health, but also to your performance. Back to the bedroom. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. La dernière prochaine, I was in Montreal, not la dernière première. Anyway, I don't know what I was talking about, but I do know what I'm talking about when it comes to sex. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I do want to tell you something that I didn't tell you when I first opened the show because I wanted to make sure you put those children to bed because some of the subjects can be sensitive, especially after 9 o'clock. So I'm also going to be talking about sounding. I'm not sure if you know what sounding is, but uh, you need to know a little bit about prostate massage if you want to learn about sounding. So it's a, 
it's a playful game for you guys. Anyway, some people think that. But we're not talking about that right now. I am talking about the it factor. And Johanna Ward has joined me in the studio because she is here to talk about sex positions that double as exercise. Welcome to the studio. Great to see you, Johanna. Thank you so much. Well, this is a pretty fun way for me to talk about exercise, I must admit. Of course. Right? <laughs> it's the only way to talk about exercise. Is there another way? Yeah. Well, sexercise, <laughs> which has been making me laugh all day. People are like, what are you doing tonight? And I'm like, I'm talking sexercise with Maureen. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Okay. So, sex. whoever thought sex positions would double as exercise? But when you think about it, it makes perfect sense. No, it does. No, I guess, I mean, I have a question for you around this. Cause I, I think when we're having sex, we want to be really present. So, I'm concerned that I'm going to tell people this and then they're going to be out there doing it and all of a sudden just like you look over at your partner they're doing push-ups or something and you're wondering like are you here with me yeah so we're not encouraging that <laughs> no we're, we're not definitely do not, not do encouraging that, that. absolutely um, not but if you have a question about what we are talking about give us a call 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell we're talking about something different we're talking about sex positions and how that will get you in better shape and improve your performance in the bedroom. It's amazing. If you think about it, and so if we take it from the perspective, say, missionary, and you're the person underneath, while you're doing that, when you're going in a thrusting position, you might think to use your lower back. But if you shift your focus and you squeeze your glutes, so your backside, as if, you know, like a bridge that you would do with the gym, you will actually increase your gluteal strength, and you'll get a little more of a... Well, a thrust in there. A little bit more of a thrust. A little more Nothing action. wrong with that. Now, um, also, you may, being the nurse that I am, always looking out for people's health, less chance of injuring your back as well, your lower back. And lower back is such a common problem. Lower back problems and lower back pain is such a common problem for so many people mm -hmm. and that can impact your sex life as well so this sounds like a much healthier way very much so and if you think for missionary position then also if you were being penetrated from behind on all fours if you were the person on all fours that's right so a time when it could be a little more delicate for your lower back unless you think about engaging more core so that's pelvic floor and abdominals use a little more glutes tightening those up back yeah and then if you want to get a near square okay so no push-ups everybody but if you do want to get a little more upper body take <laughs> one your hands push yeah one push-up no take your hands instead of putting them on the bed maybe put them on the wall or something pull your chest through like a chaturanga and yoga and then you get a little more nice open expansive posture as you're Breathing the game, breathing. breathing better, experiencing a much better orgasm with when once you've got that nice inhale and exhale. I have Curtis on the line. Hello, Curtis. Hello, Curtis. I would have sex every day. I think we're in on someone's argument. Hello. Hello. This is such a hello, Curtis. How are you? Good. Great. Thanks. Did you have a question, my friend? I did. I did actually. My uh, my wife recently she's had um, a hysterectomy and some other um, and had uh, she had an ovarian cyst removed. So vaginal dryness is is becoming an issue with respect to sex. So I heard about your joy gel tonight, and I was thinking maybe that would help, but I don't know for sure. You know, personal moisturizers are so important for. Uh, vaginal health and joy gel is a personal moisturizer it contains african yam and hyaluronic acid vitamin e coconut oil so it's a very good moisturizer it's a great place to begin and i couldn't find it on your website though oh you know what you're so sweet i wasn't going to give out anything tonight but i'm coming to the studio on tuesday i'm going to leave you some joy gel here at the 
uh, well, station. Well, I'm, I'm in Penticton, so there's no. Oh, now you're gonna make. We're gonna pull on my Catholic guilt heartstrings, and I have I to know send it you to you. Can't mail <laughs> shit out. I'm, I'm gonna send it to you. No, I'm sending it to you. I, I'm I'm doing it. I'm doing it tonight. Okay. That's it. So you can leave your near um, your address and everything with Mike. Okay, the tech okay. producer. So. Uh, yes, but it's really important, especially after hysterectomy or women entering perimenopause, the years leading up to menopause, or women on the pill, breastfeeding, after menopause, so at many different times. Uh, yeah, my wife's kind of in between right now. She's peri- I, I would say perimenopause. Perimenopause, yeah, the le- years leading up, which can start at age 37, and a lot okay. of women don't realize. But All right. Th- that's a great call. Thank you so much. All right, you're welcome. All right, you take care, my Thank friend. You. All right, okay. bye-bye. Okay, there we go. I want. I just want to take things off my list, but I continually you just keep add, adding. Them? I keep adding them on. But you know, I'm the type of person that does things immediately. Like I do it, and people wonder how. Why are you so? How are you so productive? You know, and it looks that way anyway. But I have like always have a thousand things dangling that I haven't done. But I try to do things right away. So anyway, we'll send it out to you. Everyone's Joy Gel. going to be calling now. Yeah, I that's need, it. No yeah. more free Joy <laughs> unless you can pick it up. <laughs> To yeah. you. Okay, so we're getting back to the sex positions and how mm-hmm. that's going to make get you in better shape and also improve your performance in the bedroom. So there's this awesome article that I posted on Facebook today. Um, so I'm not taking the credit for all this, but you can look at it and it goes through a lot of sex positions and some probably more adventurous ones and some where you need to be a little more athletic. But going back to something that's probably more standard would be when perhaps the female's on top, or it doesn't necessarily have to be a female, but if you're the person who is on top, you can imagine bracing more with your inside thighs, so holding it. And bracing is different. Like engaging, we think of just like closing something, but bracing is when you really like press down and hold. So then you're going to get, again, more of that TA, your transverse abdominis, more pelvic floor, and then inside thigh. And who doesn't want to have stronger inside thighs? Hello, Suzanne Summers with the right. thigh master, right? Exactly. Yes. Let's squeeze away right now, in fact. You can pretend you're Suzanne Summers while you're doing it. Exactly. I don't want to be Suzanne Summers <laughs> because I'm not really big on the education she gave, but I do remember the thigh master. But um, so, what are some of the other positions that uh, uh, women? What about the lotus position in the in the bedroom? So it's similar to the missionary position, but people are sitting. Yeah. The missionary position is actually a very common sex position for. You know, I think for a lot of exhausted people, if they are actually ever getting down to having sex, they got to do it the missionary way. People are so tired these days. But the lotus position is one of the most passive ones as well. Yeah. Now, so is lotus when you're wrapped around each other? Is lotus when you're both wrapped in together? Yes, you're both sitting up. So in that case, you're really, I mean, you want to be carefully protecting your lower back, but it's going to be a lot more about the pelvic floor. So really just palpating that and holding yourselves together. And I guess, you know, depending on the weight of the other person, you could consider that to be an upper torso workout, but I think it's more just like a passive thing. I wanted to say to, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I want to hear from you. Calorie burn. So here, yeah, interesting. Now I'm interested after everything I ate in (laughs) Montreal. (laughs) Yeah, well, a study from the New England Journal of Medicine says that, so you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but they said that sex on average lasts about six minutes. That's not very long. And in that six minutes, you can burn about 21 calories. WebMD says 30 minutes burns 85 to 100 calories. To put that in perspective, if you went on a 30-minute run, you'd maybe burn 200 or 400. That, of course, depends on the weight that you are and the intensity you're doing. A dance exercise class, that's my big background, could burn anywhere 30 minutes, 150 to 450 in calories. So sex isn't really like the huge calorie burn, but it also depends how much intensity you put into it. That's right. I mean, six minutes of anything 
thing isn't going to burn <laughs> many calories at all. But that's about right, you know. A lot of people overestimate the amount of calories that are burned during sex. A lot of people will say it's 300 calories during sex. They're having sex for a minute. Nobody's burning anything in a, a minute. minute. Yeah, they're having sex in very uh, two minutes or less. That seems to be about the time that uh, people, if they are having it. But that's my perception, and I could be wrong. I only see people who aren't having sex. So, you know, that's my clinical practice. So people who are having sexual dysfunction or sexual health issues or low sexual desire, premature ejaculation, all of those issues, which is like, so then they're having sex for like 22 seconds. So it's even less. Not a lot of calorie burn in the 22 seconds, but. No, there really isn't any. But, you know, when you're engaging, as you say, in embracing these muscles, you're strengthening and you're getting more power and you're getting, you're, that's actually going to build your self-esteem. Correctly, correct oh, me if I'm wrong. You're, so much How so. you feel about yourself. All of that. And that, I mean, that's the thing I would like to acknowledge too for the people who perhaps aren't engaging in regular sex, not be, um, maybe not for medical reasons or anything, but just because they're not getting it on because they're single, you know? You know? Yeah, There's or some couples. Like that out there. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And some couples do not want to have sex and they are okay. they're okay with that and that's fine. Not talking to those people. That's yeah. not this, sex. For is not for every couple. Yeah, but Let's for those of that. us, oh, did I just I just, just outed myself. <laughs> oh, <Maureen. laughs> those um, of those of us who are having wild sex no, well, every aren't. day. <laughs> those of us who aren't, but expect we will in the future. Um, Never give up hope. Believe in the hope. <laughs> you know, it's still really important that you're active and that you're feeling because the more active that you are, obviously for all of the health reasons. But if we talk about personality, if you talk about how your self-esteem is, it increases our confidence. So it's not about. I'm really big, and I've talked to you about this before on promoting. You know, we work out because we love our bodies, not because we hate them. That it's not about, you know, your beach body is the body you take to the beach. It's not, I ha- I really don't buy into that. You know, we build it over the winter. No, we don't. Right. You Ex- put a bikini on, you're in your beach body. Exactly. Okay? You're gorgeous just the way you are. We're just making ourselves stronger. But the more that we are active, the healthier that we feel on the inside and the better mentally we feel. I mean, it um, increases your endorphin level, your serotonin levels, and it also really just improves the way we feel about ourselves. Absolutely. And I, I think your body is a tomb. And that is why you need to look after it in terms of what you put in your mouth, in terms of how much alcohol you drink, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, how you treat it, how you care for it, everything from the inside out, even vaginal health is vital. You know, it's it's important to moisturize your vagina just as much as it is your face. It actually joy works gel. better. Yeah. Have you ever used it joy gel on your face? <laughs> yes. Really? I've used joy and? gel everywhere. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. It's just, it's what they sell in the, um, you know, in the beauty, at the beauty counters because it has the hyaluronic acid, which repairs tissues, coconut oil, vitamin E. It's all good for you. Keeps the uh, tissues young. So, uh, and that's very important, but we don't talk about the word vagina because, People are afraid to. They don't like the term. They don't want to hear about it. People feel, I'm going to talk about this later in the show, but people feel that if the doctor doesn't examine their vagina, they go away. You know, they're like, phew, because it's uncomfortable. But but I digress. We're going to get back to, um, you know, one of the more challenging sex positions, which is standing. Because often the woman has to allow her partner to lift her in some way. And so we got to talk about a strong partner, whether the partner is male or female. Because it can be same-sex uh, relationships as well. So if the man and woman are facing each other, what about that core and upper length strength? 
uh, so much about the core. And again, depending which position, if you're the person standing, you're working your core, you're really working through your quads, that whole lower body, you're having to like um, be in quite a strong athletic stance and use your arms to hold. If you're the person that's up and you're wrapping around, there's the inside thigh again, there's that pelvic floor, and then wherever else your hands are. Absolutely. So you want to partner with strong thighs. Anyway, I love having you here, Johanna. You want to stay? We can talk about this a bit longer. When I come back, we're going to be talking more about this. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I am Maureen McGrath. I am hosting this show. I'm a registered nurse, a sex educator of sorts. I am a Huffington Post blogger, a clinician, a researcher, and uh, that's it. (laughs) Is that not enough? Um, Anyway, I wanted to, I have Johanna Ward here with me in the studio, and she's fantastic, and exercise is so important, as is sex, and we're tying the two together tonight. Uh, So I I asked her to stay because I I remembered a patient of mine that came in recently. He was 33 years old, a man. His wife was pregnant, like seven weeks, and his question to me was, he was nervous that he was not going to be able to remain faithful to her throughout the pregnancy because he thought that he couldn't have sex with her during pregnancy. So we wanted to spell that myth. You can have sex right up until just before the delivery of the baby. Try not to do it in the labor and delivery room. But anyway, <laughs> just before admission to the hospital or before the midwife arrives, feel free. And and the you know it, you may need to... Uh, be a little gentle on yourself, go a little easy. And so I would advise the least strenuous of all positions, which is the scissors position, because there's no suspending of body weight. So, Johanna, I know you work with a lot of pregnant women, which is why I wanted to cover this particular position and also dispel some of these myths. So what are your thoughts on the scissor position? The scissor is nice and passive, as you're saying. You know, both couples are both couples. Oh, boy. Well, there might be Jum- both couples. Be I mean, there is. There. The, don't Who forget knows? the lifestyle. Yes, into the lifestyle is when couples two play with each other. Two sets of scissors, lots of hand-holding. Um, both people are in a passive position. So this is also, we talked earlier about people who have lower back issues, perhaps, or people who are, you know, maybe trying to take it a little bit easy. So it's there's less movement in the scissor position. You're still really engaging your core, pelvic floor. We've talked about this so much, but that, I mean, that's it. That's the biggest thing and then also the inside thigh um, you love that one. inner thigh I don't really you do. yes it's you should important. make your own thigh master goodbye Suzanne Summers hello John Award <laughs> exactly you can make a way better one with an app and everything that would be great um, but you know the scissors is for when you're tired and a lot of pregnant women are tired or they may be nauseous or you know not sleeping all that well or it's awkward you know or there's pain pelvic pain uh, can occur so and you know it's when you don't feel like being an acrobat Exactly. It's and the I would scissor say position. Call on the scissor position. Call on that one. And <laughs> if you're farther along and, it, you know, later, um, closer to your due date, actually being on all fours is probably going to be one of the most comfortable positions. Exactly. when we're doing our prenatal classes, that's also a, a position that women are much more comfortable in um, for exercise. So, I mean, really... Sex can be, it doesn't have to be acrobatic, but it is exercise. I mean, we are stimulating ourselves. We are moving. You know, we're getting our heart rates up. The blood is flowing. And, you know, it's activity. It's physical activity. And if you want to make it more physical, go one direction. If you want to keep it more passive, yeah, go for the scissors. That's right. Absolutely. Here's one for the scissors and uh, and for the on all fours, because often couples stop having sex after they've had children, which is a shame. And so that may be if you start 
you know, during when you still love the guy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> during the pregnancy. <laughs> Wait till the kids come along, the finances, the mortgage. That's it. He's done. Um, but anyway, no, it can get you comfortable for after. Um, after the children are born and and you can so you've experimented during the pregnancy which is oftentimes when a woman's libido is increased uh, either when she wants to have a baby or during pregnancy due to the hormones so so it's a nice way to experiment a little bit and and continue that position my point is continue that position after the children are born so uh, we well, will exercise just like because I mean people get bored with their same old exercise routine exact same thing we always tell people to mix it up as a personal trainer or as a fitness instructor I encourage people to experiment with new things try new things and I think it carry over it carries over in that way you um, could be a sex expert I, I, I might absolutely I think, I'm looking for my next thing Maureen may I continue Bing, your, I, yes will you I mentor me deemed you a sex expert <laughs> um, we also wanted to talk a little bit about um, uh, the plank yeah so planking is one of my favorite exercises to do and it's a very common exercise it's great because it's really accessible to everybody so if you are someone who's been fairly inactive and you don't feel and you know you're intimidated but you want to kind of get back into things um, you can plank because you can go on your forearms so you're on your elbows and your knees or you can go hands and knees and mm-hmm. plank. I find this position core. really challenging. This is really difficult. And I'm an acrobat, okay? Yeah. So I it, find <laughs> I'm okay be. to fly around the room, but, you know, <laughs> plank, forget no. Plank is tough. Planking is tough, but it is one of the things where you can see so much growth in such a short time. Um, you and I were talking today about, you know, would it be fun to do a challenge, throw it out there to people. A way that you can um, bring more physical activity into your life and really feel successful because you've completed a goal that is – a goal that makes sense, that increases your core strength, and we're going to add a little fun pelvic floor in there too, um, start planking 10 seconds a day. So for the first two days, 10 seconds. I mean, you can fit 10 seconds of exercise. Absolutely. Into your I'm doing this challenge, yes. What? That 22 seconds of sex, you said? That's that right. 10 seconds, 10 seconds of, of plank. <laughs> um, do that. So the first two days, 10 seconds. The next two days, 20 seconds. And then add on like that for 28 days. At the end of the 28 days, you will feel so strong, and you will be planking for over two minutes. Whoa. Wow, that is that is something. That yeah. is an accomplishment. And that is one of the easiest ways to build it in. It also creates, um, with exercise, a lot of it is habit. And so um, forming that habit, building that in, and that feeling of success and and almost like tricking your body into knowing that every day I need to do this thing, then that be, that's how we form habits. And once we have the habit, it stays with us. That's fantastic. You're amazing. And um, what, how can people, you, you host a whole lot of exercise classes and it factor classes. So how do people get in touch with you? Well, for those people that want to get a little bit of um, extra mojo, I teach a class on Friday nights called the Friday Night Booty Call. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> and it is a, it's a dance exercise class. So we, it's a cardio-carve intervals class with choreography, and it's very sassy. And it's very silly, and a lot of the music is quite, you know, it might be a little suggestive. And we kind of let go on a Friday night at 5.30 at the yeah. Scotiabank Dance Center. Is it um, men? I'm on the air at 5.30. Is it men and women? or do, um, I have it? had men in the class. Lately, it's been just women. But okay. men are welcome to yeah. come because it's... You know, everybody likes to goof around and talk about sex and jump around. I also teach classes, dance classes at the YWCA, and I'm also teaching at this brand new bar studio that has a free week this week, uh, Body Balance Vancouver. Oh, nice. Quite nearby where we are on Howe Street. Um, free classes all week long. And if you want to talk inner thigh, do a bar workout. We're standing at a bar with one of those small, squishy green balls between our inside thigh. 
pulsing, pulsing, pulsing. It's a lot of palpating, a lot of pulsing, and a lot of lower body, I don't know, and core, and all the stuff that, you know, we want for Every man is walking around touching himself right is now. Is he really? <laughs> after that pulsing, comment, pulsing, pulsing. After that visual. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I wanted to say about the playing challenge for the people that maybe um, are thinking more about the pelvic floor is when you're doing your 10 seconds, you know, close the valves and open them and practice that. And, you know, the old, I don't know right. if you refer to them as Kegels still or whatever. I usually in class, I am just ask people to engage and contract and then release and make sure they're breathing freely. Um, cause, Pelvic yeah, floor muscle exercises. Huge. Yeah. 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 And we're talking mm-hmm. anal sphincter and your external urethral sphincter. Absolutely. Fantastic. And one way I teach people to uh, isolate the appropriate muscle for pelvic floor muscle exercises or formerly called Kegel exercises is to uh, envision, fantasize. Now, now that we have Trudeau there, we can say fantasize. You're sitting next to the prime minister at dinner. I used to say sitting next to Harper, and people would say I would pass gas if I were sitting next to him. <laughs> anyway, so now that Trudeau is is in power, I'm uh, uh, my job is a lot easier. But if you're going to pass gas at dinner, what's the muscle that would prevent you from passing gas? And that's the one you isolate in all seriousness. And so you squeeze two three, hold two three, release two three. Squeeze to three, hold to three, and release to three. And that's how to do a pelvic floor muscle exercise. And that will make your planks go by so much faster if you're focusing on that. That will. Or you can think about something else. You can always fantasize. Anyway, you're, do you have a website? I do. No. It's theitfactor.ca. And I also posted there for people who are already doing lots of planks and they want some variety, um, a 31-day plank challenge that's just a different style of planking every day, more of your acrobatic style. Excellent. I'm going to have to go there. <laughs> Now I've really uh, created a, a, a myth out there, a false perception, shall I say. Anyway, I'd love to fake it. I'm Maureen McGrath. Thank you so much to uh, Johanna Ward for joining me here in the studio. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. <clears throat> Welcome back to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I'm Maureen McGrath. I am your host. I'm a registered nurse, sexual health educator, blogger, clinician, researcher, lover of life. How are you? It's always great to be here with you, and uh, we're having more sex these days. The show is now two hours long. I don't have a problem talking for two hours, but you know, people want more than sex talk. They want to actually have sex. Anyway, so hopefully this show will help you in that regard. I love your emails, so feel free to send me more. Sex talk at cknw.com. You can always call me. I way prefer to talk to you. And the number to call is 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. You could probably guilt me into giving you something. Uh, but anyway, I um, don't be shy. You can talk about your relationship, intimacy, health question, sex, sexual desire, premature ejaculation, which I know all of you have. Erectile dysfunction. If you don't have premature ejaculation, you probably have erectile dysfunction. Anyway. Also on the show, since I'm a registered nurse, I talk about health as well, because I think health is really important to a great sex life. And I hear a lot of women saying they're no longer turned on by their male partners, and it can be their same-sex partners as well, especially if they've gotten out of shape. If they have a large abdomen, it can be a big turnoff. Oftentimes, a large abdomen is an indication of a low testosterone level in a man. But, you know, if people don't look after themselves, keep themselves trim, in great condition, great physical condition, emotional condition, mental health is a gift and it's to be created and it's you that creates your mental health. 
you know, it can be a turnoff for somebody, especially for somebody who does do all of that. And oftentimes we see that in relationships. So I was attracted to this particular article called Good Cholesterol, Not Always Good, studies suggest. We hear about HDL and LDL. The HDL, the high-density lipoprotein, or the happy uh, cholesterol, which is more commonly known as the good cholesterol, or the LDL, which I think I, after my time in Montreal, I now have troubles with my LDL, the bad cholesterol, eating all of that high cholesterol food they have. I don't know how they stay so skinny back there. Um, But anyway, there's some new evidence out of a Cambridge University study in the Journal of Science that showed that more good cholesterol was not always better. And it is thought that these findings may help find new ways to protect the heart. You see, what the, the deal is between good and bad cholesterol is that there's a bit of a bloodstream tussle that takes place between bad cholesterol that dumps the fatty material into the arteries and the good cholesterol that takes it away. The trouble is sometimes people with high cholesterol, uh, high HDL, the good cholesterol may have a heart attack as well. Another uh, problem has been the ability for scientists to develop drugs that will raise HDL. Of course, they have drugs for the bad cholesterol, which are the statins, but they've never been able to develop a drug that raises HDL or the good cholesterol. So they were thinking, hey, something's got to be going on here. Well, what has been discovered in these clinical trials revealed that people with a mutation in a gene called SCARB1, S-C-A-R-B1, which affects 1 in 1,700 people, These people with this particular gene mutation had very high levels of good cholesterol. These people also had an 80% increased risk of heart disease. And that is the same risk that smokers have. So these people can be athletic and in great shape. They have a high HDL. And they also have this gene mutation called SCARB1. And their risk of a heart attack is equivalent to a person who smokes. What, what, showed, what, what was demonstrated in these experiments was that the mutation, the SCARB1, was preventing the good cholesterol from dumping the fat it had collected in the liver from the bad cholesterol for processing. So it's significant because everybody always thinks, ah, I have good high cholesterol. I have high good cholesterol. The good cholesterol is high. Um, And they didn't feel it was associated with heart disease, but it is, according to this study. So this is one of the first studies that demonstrates that some people that have high levels of good cholesterol actually have a higher risk of heart disease. So it challenges our conventional wisdom here. Uh, is, Is this the best advice that good cholesterol is protecting people from heart disease. Well, it turns out uh, there's no medications to raise HDL, so that's a problem as well. And the other problem is that trying to raise the HDL may not be helpful. In fact, it may cause more of a problem. So 
this definitely needs more research. Uh, And also in the future, we may need to perform genetic testing in persons with high HDL to ensure that they don't have that mutation. And that's only fair. Um, That mutation, like the SCARB1, that raises HDL but doesn't protect against and may even increase your risk for heart disease. So if you were one of those people who had a high HDL, high good uh, cholesterol, and had a heart attack, this may be, I'm not giving out medical advice here, but this may be one reason, especially if doctors were never able to figure it out. Um, So this study also suggests that the beneficial effect of exercise is probably not caused by higher HDL levels, although we still need to perform more research to fully understand this complex relationship between the good cholesterol, known as the HDL, and your risk of heart disease. And having a good, healthy heart is really important for a great sex life. And this study uh, done at the British uh, uh that was done uh, at the Cambridge University, not at the British University, actually demonstrates uh, or puts some light on one of the major puzzles that we have around cholesterol and heart disease. So, you know, it's not all foolproof, and that's why it's important to have clinical trials, participate in clinical trials, and also that women are equally represented in clinical trials and also transgendered people as well to ensure that everybody is included so that we can deliver the best health care possible. Because if we're not actually doing research on women or not doing research on transgenders, we actually don't know what the best medications are, what the side effects are, and what the best things uh, to do for them. So because everybody is genetically different, we're very much biologically different. Men and women are quite different, and transgender people as well. So everybody deserves their own almost designer health care. And the only way we can do that is through clinical trials and participation in clinical trials. Uh, So that's my uh, little thing, but it's always important to eat well, Take care of your body. Do not have Ginny Fowl and cake and patisserie and wine and chocolate and all of that that uh, I've been eating all week. <laughs> but it, it is good. It puts you in a good mood. Anyway, um, while you're eating it only, afterward you feel horrible. But uh, take care of yourself. Eat a healthy diet. Exercise is still always great for you. Uh, so don't give up and uh, note the impact that has on your sex life. Anyway, you can always call me 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. You can always email me sextalk at cknw.com. We're going to go for a break and then we're going to head into our second hour of sex. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Oh, mirror in the sky. What is love? I love that song. I'm Maureen McGrath. That is one of my all-time favorite songs. <laughs> I did not know that. It's a great song, though. Love that song. Anyway, I I feel like belting it out, but I won't. I'm going to save you the pain. Because sometimes sex hurts. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. You can email me, sextalk at cknw.com. You can call me about any question you have. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. So, as I said, sometimes 
love hurts. It might hurt your ears if I sing that song. Anyway, I'm a bit out of tune tonight. Um, so I'm going to start out with your emails. Not the painful one just yet. I'm going to wait a little bit longer, a little bit later, a little bit after 9 o'clock for that one. I'm going to start out with a relationship one, one about confidence and one about trust, one about past experiences and and losing uh, your sense of yourself, perhaps. So here's the email. Dear Maureen, I'm in a long-term relationship, and recently another woman is going after my boyfriend. What can I do to stop her? She wants to hug him. I have said no because I do not think it's appropriate for her to do that. My boyfriend has also told her no as well. We see her every week at choir. I'm afraid that one day, if my boyfriend goes alone, something might happen. Am I being overprotective? I do not think so. I don't trust her. My parents have been divorced for a long time, and I blamed myself for a long time. Sincerely, Maddie. Maddie, unfortunately, I know you want to hear a different answer, but you can not stop her. What is more important than trusting her or not is trusting your boyfriend. And there's a little innuendo in there that tells me you don't fully trust him and that you feel you need to control this situation because you're not allowing him to go to choir by himself. You're afraid. Trust is the cornerstone of any relationship. What if you were ill? and couldn't attend the music session. What you can do, now you cannot stop her, but what you can do is ensure that your relationship with your boyfriend is rock solid. And I'm going to get into your feelings about your blaming yourself for your parents' divorce a little bit later. You want to make sure that your sex life is intimate at the same time, wildly exciting and pleasurable for both of you and, and, and frequent that it's happening, and I'm quite serious about that. Only 7% of people, of couples, burn it up between the sheets. 26% of people, that married couples, I should say, are, have sex one to two times a month. 20% of marriages are sexless. So when I say ensure that you are connected sexually, I think that's probably the most important aspect here. But also, you need to be confident in what you and your boyfriend have together and make it your priority without obsessing to make your relationship the best it can be. Now, I know I say that on the air, and I'm quite serious about that. Do not even let this woman enter your head or bother you at all because that's going to come through as insecurity in your relationship. So you've got to be really strong, mindfully of your head. I would not discuss her further with your boyfriend, who has already set a boundary. And good for him, I have to say. He has told her no. This is such a common situation when somebody goes after somebody else's spouse, boyfriend, partner, whatever. That also should increase your sexual desire for your boyfriend. So, as I said, sex is the most intimate and important aspect and it is the tie that binds you what you can do oh okay um so what you can do is uh 
you can hang on because I have more to say, especially about that divorce. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Now we're entering into the second hour of the show. It's this daylight savings time. Messes me up every single time. Uh, uh, Welcome to the show if you're just joining me or if you have listened before. It's great that you're back. Thank you so much. You can always email me anything you would like to hear on the show. The email is sexdoc at cknw.com. You can always call me 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. I'm happy to talk about anything or investigate anything for you if you like. Uh, so just before the uh, we went to break, I had an email that I was reading to you. I had read this to you and I'll just remind you because it was this email just was so rich and it had so many uh different aspects that uh, I felt needed to be addressed and was great information that could help many people. So here's the email once again. Dear Maureen, I am in a long-term relationship and recently another woman is going after my boyfriend. What can I do to stop her? She wants to hug him. I've said no. I do not think it is appropriate for that to happen. My boyfriend has told her no as well. We see her every week at choir. I'm afraid that one day if my boyfriend goes alone, something might happen. Am I being overprotective? I do not think so, so I do not trust her. My parents have been divorced for a long time, and I blamed myself for a long time. So basically what I said to Maddie was, uh, unfortunately, you cannot stop this woman. She is going to go after your boyfriend. You can't stop her. And just to summarize that, you have to make sure that your relationship is uh, nice and tight, that it's exciting, that it is uh, you're very confident and that you trust your boyfriend. doesn't matter if you trust her or not. The person you need to trust is your boyfriend. And Maddie says that she does. But, of course, she also spoke about her parents' divorce and how she blamed herself for her parents' divorce. So it's easy for me to say, be confident in your relationship. If, you're, if your relationship is meant to be, it will Focus on the love and the connection you and your boyfriend have. Have sex. Have great sex. Have sex. Just have some sex. As it turns out, a lot of couples are not having sex. And I went through some of the stats earlier. And only about 7% of couples are burning it up between the sheets. And 26% of couples are having sex one or two times a month, which is very, very close to what the experts define as a sexless marriage, which is once a month or less. So, or about 10 times a year. So having sex is really important in the relationship. It is the tie that will bind you. But not always. It can be broken. But it's difficult to be fully confident when something like a threat to your relationship brings up bad memories like that of a parent's divorce. And it's not uncommon that children blame themselves for their parents' divorce. And that's because of the development of the processing of children, of their of how they're able to think. They're not actually able to think as abstract thinkers until they are teenagers. So when they're under the age of, you know, twelve, they they are more uh they're more black and white thinkers. They're they're they can't think abstractly. So 
they often will blame themselves because they can't consider all of the nuances around the breakup of a marriage. So the sadness a child or teenager feels can come from having to adjust to something completely out of their power and control. And they have to give up on their hope of a loving, intact family. And that can sometimes come from feeling different from their peers, especially if they don't have any friends whose parents are divorced, especially if you're the first kid in the neighborhood whose parents get divorced. It can be really tough on a kid, and it just depends on the type of kid they are. If they're really a sensitive child, then that can hit them even harder. Add to that, not all divorces are done in a civil and respectful way, and you also have to look at why the relationship broke up. I mean, was one of the parents going outside of the relationship? Were they cheating? Did that other parent then go and tell bad tales about the other parent to the child? That sets up a huge insecurity, and it may actually be a prelude to anxiety in a child. So there are so many children who get caught between parents who are bitterly angry with one another, especially if the one has cheated on the other. That that can be one of those ones that... Uh, is really difficult to overcome and and some people are impulsive and they and they think that they're doing a lot of favors for everybody if they expose all the negativity about their spouse who they are so angry at but for those children who have to deal with parents who don't take responsibility for their children as they should like keeping that information from them keeping certain things private about a relationship between spouses um, it can be very difficult on a child. The other example is the child support thing and the alimony and the paying, being responsible for paying. You know, sometimes we see some fathers, husbands, ex-husbands living high off the hog and they're not paying child support or alimony for their wife who had stayed home, uh, looking after the children, raising the children, doing all of that work. Um, so we see a lot of this, and that can also impact a child. Children have to deal with parents who are angry, sad, stressed out as a result of the divorce, and therefore any parent like that is going to be less emotionally available to their children. And these children can be left feeling angry and sad about their situation. So it's not uncommon that children often blame themselves, and there's a few reasons it's actually emotionally easier to blame ourselves than to take issue with somebody else, even when you're a child. And when a child blames himself, he doesn't have to be angry. He or she doesn't have to be angry at his parents or worry about damaging that relationship. And the child then feels like he has some power and control to change things in that marriage. As I said earlier, it's difficult for younger children to think in the abstract. They tend to be concrete thinkers. So abstract thinking doesn't develop until children are teenagers, until adolescence. So it's difficult for children to understand those complexities of why a marriage would end in terms of the relationship issues between the husband and wife or the mother and father. What kids do understand is that their behavior can sometimes be a problem. For example, in school, especially if they've had problems in school, and they may have more problems in school because the parent's relationship is unsettled. So a child who is thinking concretely may have an easier time thinking that a divorce is the result of something they have done, that something they have done wrong. 
compared with being able to understand the relationship dynamics between their parents. Even if there's excessive fighting and it's a really toxic environment in the home, the children can still blame themselves. And, you know, some parents have difficulty accepting personal responsibility, and they, as I said, tend to blame. So they may send the children the message that it's their fault rather than accepting how they've contributed to the situation and explain that to their children so that the separation, you know, to explain that the separation is something that is between the parents and that they're both still going to love and co-parent this child or these children very well, exceedingly well. All children want is security. So even in the best of circumstances, divorce will have some impact on children because their world, their entire world, the security that they have known, the family that they have loved and have been a part of is going to change. They have to give up on that idea of that happy, intact family, even though it can be really fake for a lot of families, but it's their fake. It's there. A lot of people want to put out this perception that they're the perfect family and they want to be a part of that. But in divorce, children are powerless to change anything. But that said, just because two people get divorced doesn't mean it will cause irrevocable harm to children, but it may impact their relationship later as it has with Maddie. And so it's taken away some of her confidence, as you can hear in her email that she has said. But the biggest thing is to remain calm, uh, be confident in the relationship, do not obsess that this other woman is going after your boyfriend. In fact, when somebody goes after someone we are we love, that we're in a sexual relationship with or an intimate relationship with, and we may not be that grateful for them or appreciate them that much, but that, just the fact that somebody else wants your man, generally increases your sexual desire. So even if you're already having great sex, you might actually have more. This could be a good thing. This is the optimist in me. Anyway, when I return, I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about something a little deeper than this. In fact, we're going deeper. We're talking about sounding. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I love that song, too. Thanks, Mike. You're playing all my favorite songs tonight. Oh, got to make you happy, you know. Thank you. I'm glad somebody is giant. Anyway. Uh, okay. So, sounding. What does that sound like? It's a great word, sound, isn't it? If you're a boater in any way, a depth sounder. And that's where the term comes from. I am certain. The practice of sounding. There are, I'm not sure if you've heard of sounding before, but it's a kind of advanced prostate play. That's one way of looking at it. Sounding or urethral sounding. Now the urethra is the tube where urine and or for, for men, it is the tube where urine or semen passes. And urethral sounding is the use of probes called sounds to increase the inner diameter of the urethra. This is in medical terms. Uh, so when we use sounds medically, we're actually dilating, increasing the urethra to locate any obstructions in it or any scar tissue. They're also used, these sounds are used to stretch the urethra 
in order to receive genital piercing. But urethral sounding and urethral play are also used to refer to this practice in a sexual context. So urethral play involves the introduction of either soft or rigid items into the meatus of the penis and actually going in further. Now, you've got to be really careful about trying this at home, I will say, and you want to start slow. Uh, The sounds that we use in the hospital are medical-grade metal, uh, rigid items. Of course, metal is rigid. Um, that is inserted, and generally, we only insert them about halfway into the glands. They're usually easily easily retrieved that way. That's the other thing you want to be really careful about. You want to take this very slowly, and you want to uh, use a lot of lube. Uh, So this is not for the faint of heart, I will say, this particular modality. But it gets a big reaction. Uh, There are some people who are really interested in trying it, and some people are not. But as I said, it's the act of inserting a rigid object, and you can buy them. They cost about $200 for a set. You insert a rigid metal object into the urethra, and... You know, as in a depth sounder to see how far down the ocean floor is, uh, you want to go slowly before you reach the considerable considerable distance or the depth. So this, as I said, has its origins as a medical procedure and was used in before it was used as a urethral dilatation. It was used during, before we had modern prostate shrinking medication. So it was a way to keep the urinary passage open in men with prostate enlargement. But now that we have medications to do that, this is strictly for fun. So there are a number of reasons people may enjoy sounding. It's kind of an advanced way to do prostate massage if you can get that far down. It's a form of penetrative, penetrative play that uses a completely different hole than the usual. Of course, it's the urethral meatus. And the physical sensation of a sound in the urethra can be intense and very exciting for men. There are sounding enthusiasts, of course. I'm certain there's a Facebook group. They compare the sensation of sounding to anal fisting. Uh, So that's just one comparison if you have participated in anal fisting. But it can be quite the intense experience. It's penetration, but in one's penis, which for many men is strongly associated with the act of penetrating. So some people enjoy the way that it feels emotionally, while for others it's so intensely upsetting that it can be hard to describe. And it can be painful, actually, and some guys actually enjoy that type of pain. Some people are freaked out about it and others really like the idea and some start slowly and then they advance. But you've got to be really careful because the urethromiatus is tender. You also don't want to uh, nick, uh, 
get go so far as the bladder. You don't want to cause any injury. Um, but it is a prostate stimulation of a kind that many men say they've never experienced anything like it. For those men who like some pain with their sex, it can be erotically painful, mostly through the size choices and how one stimulates the sound when it's in place. They can kind of pull it back and uh, masturbate uh, and have different sensations as they masturbate. Having never done this myself, (laughs) I want you to know that uh, it's only been described to me and uh, also through research that I've done and, and spoken to patients who have engaged in this. But it's a bit of a dominance and submission play that can revolve around the act of one person sounding another. So this is certainly play that can happen between uh, two people. So you want to get good quality sounds. That's the one thing. So as, as opposed to going around the house to find something that might fit into your urethra, and I'm very serious about this point, they, you don't want them to be um, very large. A lot of people will think that they want to enlarge their own urethra. I don't suggest this so that they can put larger items down there and have increased sensation. I don't suggest that at all. Um, Somebody I knew uh, one time put a straw in there, and that caused some damage, as will a knitting needle, and some people try that. Uh, I recommend you use surgical sterile lubricant. I would say um, Surgilube or Astroglide, but it's got to be sterile, actually. Um, you can get it from a, a pharmacy as well, and they can come in packets, so ask the pharmacist for a sterile one. You want to have clean, rinsed sounds, and you want to clean them after each use, and if you have a new partner and you've been participating in play together with sounds, you actually want to um, buy a new set. But after each time you play and you insert these sounds, Uh, perhaps as far as your glands, and then a little bit further down, very gently. You never want to push anything. You never want to push on it. Eventually, you'll get to the prostate. You'll have sensation. You want to pull back. You may masturbate, as I said, with it. Um, You'll, you know, it's, you want to be very careful that you treat your sounds very carefully and clean them afterward because you don't want to get an infection. You don't want to get a tear. And you you do want to start out with the smallest sound in the set, if at all possible. And the smaller the sound diameter, the higher the risk that you could puncture the urethral wall, uh, which is really, really painful. So you want to be very careful. Um, So actually, you want to start out with like a medium-sized one because you don't want that smallest one because you can, it can fall around and you're not so accustomed to it. So... Um, But don't start out with the largest one. Start out with, I would suggest, a medium one. Uh, And keep in mind that the urinary passage in the glands of the penis in people is so equipped is often wider than the urethra itself. So you've got to apply lots of lubricant to the first several inches of the sound. And you may want to insert the sound with lots of lubricant and then take it out and put more lube in as well. Uh, So you want to stabilize the sound with your hand, place one end into the meatus, and carefully and gently guide it into the urethra. So the meatus is the entrance in. Use minimum of force, absolutely no force whatsoever. And um, 
Anyway, we're going to have to go to a break. But uh, so this is something that uh, a lot of people find uh, quite pleasurable and quite enjoyable. But uh, when I come back, we'll probably dig a little deeper. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Now we're entering into the second hour of the show. It's this daylight savings time. Messes me up every single time. Uh, uh, Welcome to the show if you're just joining me or if you have listened before. It's great that you're back. Thank you so much. You can always email me anything you would like to hear on the show. The email is sextalk at cknw.com. You can always call me 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. I'm happy to talk about anything or investigate anything for you if you like. Uh, so just before the uh, we went to break, I had an email that I was reading to you. I had read this to you and I'll just remind you because it was this email just was so rich and it had so many uh different aspects that uh, I felt needed to be addressed and was great information that could help many people. So here's the email once again. Dear Maureen, I am in a long-term relationship and recently another woman is going after my boyfriend. What can I do to stop her? She wants to hug him. I've said no. I do not think it is appropriate for that to happen. My boyfriend has told her no as well. We see her every week at choir. I'm afraid that one day if my boyfriend goes alone, something might happen. Am I being overprotective? I do not think so, so I do not trust her. My parents have been divorced for a long time, and I blamed myself for a long time. So basically what I said to Maddie was, uh, unfortunately, you cannot stop this woman. She is going to go after your boyfriend. You can't stop her. And just to summarize that, you have to make sure that your relationship is uh, nice and tight, that it's exciting, that it is uh, you're very confident and that you trust your boyfriend. doesn't matter if you trust her or not. The person you need to trust is your boyfriend. And Maddie says that she does. But, of course, she also spoke about her parents' divorce and how she blamed herself for her parents' divorce. So it's easy for me to say, be confident in your relationship. If, you're, if your relationship is meant to be, it will Focus on the love and the connection you and your boyfriend have. Have sex. Have great sex. Have sex. Just have some sex. As it turns out, a lot of couples are not having sex. And I went through some of the stats earlier. And only about 7% of couples are burning it up between the sheets. And 26% of couples are having sex one or two times a month, which is very, very close to what the experts define as a sexless marriage, which is once a month or less. So, or about 10 times a year. So having sex is really important in the relationship. It is the tie that will bind you. But not always, it can be broken. But it's difficult to be fully confident when something like a threat to your relationship brings up bad memories like that of a parent's divorce. And it's not uncommon that children blame themselves for their parents' divorce. And that's because of the development of the processing of children, of their of how they're able to think. They're not actually able to think as abstract thinkers until they are teenagers. So when they're under the age of, you know, twelve, they they are more uh 
they're more black and white thinkers. They're, they're, they can't think abstractly. So they often will blame themselves because they can't consider all of the nuances around the breakup of a marriage. So the sadness a child or teenager feels can come from having to adjust to something completely out of their power and control. And they have to give up on their hope of a loving, intact family. And that can sometimes come from feeling different from their peers, especially if they don't have any friends whose parents are divorced, especially if you're the first kid in the neighborhood whose parents get divorced. It can be really tough on a kid, and it just depends on the type of kid they are. If they're really a sensitive child, then that can hit them even harder. Add to that, not all divorces are done in a civil and respectful way, and you also have to look at why the relationship broke up. I mean, was one of the parents going outside of the relationship? Were they cheating? Did that other parent then go and tell bad tales about the other parent to the child? That sets up a huge insecurity, and it may actually be a prelude to anxiety in a child. So there are so many children who get caught between parents who are bitterly angry with one another, especially if the one has cheated on the other. That that can be one of those ones that... Uh, is really difficult to overcome and and some people are impulsive and they and they think that they're doing a lot of favors for everybody if they expose all the negativity about their spouse who they are so angry at but for those children who have to deal with parents who don't take responsibility for their children as they should like keeping that information from them keeping certain things private about a relationship between spouses um, it can be very difficult on a child. The other example is the child support thing and the alimony and the paying, being responsible for paying. You know, sometimes we see some fathers, husbands, ex-husbands living high off the hog and they're not paying child support or alimony for their wife who had stayed home, uh, looking after the children, raising the children, doing all of that work. Um, so we see a lot of this, and that can also impact a child. Children have to deal with parents who are angry, sad, stressed out as a result of the divorce, and therefore any parent like that is going to be less emotionally available to their children. And these children can be left feeling angry and sad about their situation. So it's not uncommon that children often blame themselves, and there's a few reasons it's actually emotionally easier to blame ourselves than to take issue with somebody else, even when you're a child. And when a child blames himself, he doesn't have to be angry. He or she doesn't have to be angry at his parents or worry about damaging that relationship. And the child then feels like he has some power and control to change things in that marriage. As I said earlier, it's difficult for younger children to think in the abstract. They tend to be concrete thinkers. So abstract thinking doesn't develop until children are teenagers, until adolescence. So it's difficult for children to understand those complexities of why a marriage would end in terms of the relationship issues between the husband and wife or the mother and father. What kids do understand is that their behavior can sometimes be a problem. For example, in school, especially if they've had problems in school, and they may have more problems in school because 
the parent's relationship is unsettled. So a child who is thinking concretely may have an easier time thinking that a divorce is the result of something they have done, that something they have done wrong, compared with being able to understand the relationship dynamics between their parents. Even if there's excessive fighting and it's a really toxic environment in the home, the children can still blame themselves. And, you know, some parents have difficulty accepting personal responsibility, and they, as I said, tend to blame. So they may send the children the message that it's their fault rather than accepting how they've contributed to the situation and explain that to their children so that the separation, you know, to explain that the separation is something that is between the parents and that they're both still going to love and co-parent this child or these children very well exceedingly well. All children want is security. So even in the best of circumstances, divorce will have some impact on children because their world, their entire world, the security that they have known, the family that they have loved and have been a part of is going to change. They have to give up on that idea of that happy, intact family, even though it can be really fake for a lot of families. But it's their fake. It's their, a lot of people want to put out this perception that they're the perfect family and they want to be a part of that. But in divorce, children are powerless to change anything. But that said, just because two people get divorced doesn't mean it will cause irrevocable harm to children. But it may impact their relationship later, as it has with Maddie. And so it's taken away some of her confidence, as you can here in her email that she has said. But the biggest thing is to remain calm, uh, be confident in the relationship, do not obsess that this other woman is going after your boyfriend. In fact, when somebody goes after someone we are we love, that we're in a sexual relationship with or an intimate relationship with, and we may not be that grateful for them or appreciate them that much, But that, just the fact that somebody else wants your man, generally increases your sexual desire. So even if you're already having great sex, you might actually have more. This could be a good thing. This is the optimist in me. Anyway, when I return, I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about something a little deeper than this. In fact, we're going deeper. We're talking about sounding. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I love that song, too. Thanks, Mike. You're playing all my favorite songs tonight. Oh, got to make you happy, you know. Thank you. I'm glad somebody is trying. Anyway. Uh, Okay. So, sounding. What does that sound like? It's a great word, sound, isn't it? If you're a boater in any way, a depth sounder. And that's where the term comes from. I am certain the practice of sounding. There, are, I'm not sure if you've heard of sounding before, but it's a kind of advanced prostate play. That's one way of looking at it. Sounding or urethral sounding. Now, the urethra is the tube where urine and or for for men, it is the tube where urine or semen passes, and urethral sounding is the use of probes called sounds to increase the inner diameter of the urethra. This is in medical terms. 
so when we use sounds medically, we're actually dilating, increasing the urethra to locate any obstructions in it or any scar tissue. They're also used, these sounds are used to stretch the urethra in order to receive genital piercing. But urethral sounding and urethral play are also used to refer to this practice in a sexual context. So urethral play involves the introduction of either soft or rigid items into the meatus of the penis and actually going in further. Now, you've you got to be really careful about trying this at home, I will say, and you want to start slow. Uh, met, the sounds that we use in the hospital are medical-grade um, metal uh, rigid items. Of course, metal is rigid. Um, that is inserted, and generally, we only insert them about halfway into the glands. They're usually easily easily retrieved that way. That's the other thing you want to be really careful about. You want to take this very slowly, and you want to uh, use a lot of lube. Uh, so this is not for the faint of heart, I will say, this particular modality. But it gets a big reaction. Uh, there are some people who are really interested in trying it, and some people are not. But as I said, it's the act of inserting a rigid object, and you can buy them. They cost about $200 for a set. You insert a rigid metal object into the urethra, and, you know, as in a depth sounder to see how far down the ocean floor is, uh, you want to go slowly before you reach the considerable, considerable distance or the depth. So this, as I said, has its origins as a medical procedure and was used in before it was used as urethral dilatation. It was used before we had modern prostate shrinking medication. So it was a way to keep the urinary passage open in men with prostate enlargement. But now that we have medications to do that, this is strictly for fun. So there are a number of reasons people may enjoy sounding. It's kind of an advanced way to do prostate massage if you can get that far down. It's a form of penetrative, penetrative play that uses a completely different hole than the usual. Of course, it's the urethral meatus. And the physical sensation of a sound in the urethra can be intense and very exciting for men. There are sounding enthusiasts, of course. I'm certain there's a Facebook group. They compare the sensation of sounding to anal fisting. Uh, so that's just one comparison if you have participated in anal fisting. But it can be quite the intense experience. It's penetration, but in one's penis, which for many men is strongly associated with the act of penetrating. So some people enjoy the way that it feels emotionally, while for others it's so intensely upsetting that it can be hard to describe. And it can be painful, actually, and some guys actually enjoy that type of pain. Some people are freaked out about it and others 
really like the idea. And some start slowly and then they advance. But you've got to be really careful because the erythromiasis is tender. You also don't want to uh, nick, uh, get, go so far as the bladder. You don't want to cause any injury. Um, but it is a prostate stimulation of a kind that many men say they've never experienced anything like it. For those men who like some pain with their sex, it can be erotically painful, mostly through the size choices and how one stimulates the sound when it's in place. They can kind of pull it back and uh, masturbate uh, and have different sensations as they masturbate. Having never done this myself, (laughs) I want you to know that uh, it's only been described to me and uh, also through research that I've done and, and spoken to patients who have engaged in this. But it's a bit of a dominance and submission play that can revolve around the act of one person sounding another. So this is certainly play that can happen between uh, two people. So you want to get good quality sounds. That's the one thing. So as, as opposed to going around the house to find something that might fit into your urethra, and I'm very serious about this point, they, you don't want them to be um, very large. A lot of people will think that they want to enlarge their own urethra. I don't suggest this so that they can put larger items down there and have increased sensation. I don't suggest that at all. Um, Somebody I knew uh, one time put a straw in there, and that caused some damage, as will a knitting needle, and some people try that. Uh, I recommend you use surgical sterile lubricant. I would say um, Surgilube or Astroglide, but it's got to be sterile, actually. Um, you can get it from a, a pharmacy as well, and they can come in packets. So ask the pharmacist for a sterile one. You want to have clean, rinsed sounds, and you want to clean them after each use. And if you have a new partner and you've been participating in play together with sounds, you actually want to um, buy a new set. But after each time you play and you insert these sounds, uh, perhaps as far as your glands and then a little bit further down, very gently. You never want to push anything. You never want to push on it. Eventually, you'll get to the prostate. You'll have sensation. You want to pull back. You may masturbate, as I said, with it. Um, you'll, you know, it's, you want to be very careful that you treat your sounds very carefully and clean them afterward because you don't want to get an infection. You don't want to get a tear. And you you do want to start out with the smallest sound in the set, if at all possible. And the smaller the sound diameter, the higher the risk that you could puncture the urethral wall, uh, which is really, really painful. So you want to be very careful. Um, So actually, you want to start out with like a medium-sized one because you don't want that smallest one because you can, it can fall around and you're not so accustomed to it. So... Um, But don't start out with the largest one. Start out with, I would suggest, a medium one. Uh, And keep in mind that the urinary passage in the glands of the penis in people is so equipped is often wider than the urethra itself. So you've got to apply lots of lubricant to the first several inches of the sound. And you may want to insert the sound with lots of lubricant and then take it out and put more lube in as well. 
Uh, so you want to stabilize the sound with your hand, place one end into the meatus, and carefully and gently guide it into the urethra. So the meatus is the entrance in. Use minimum of force, absolutely no force whatsoever. And um, anyway, we're going to have to go to a break. But uh, So this is something that uh, a lot of people find uh, quite pleasurable and quite enjoyable. But uh, when I come back, we'll probably dig a little deeper. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. It's Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I am your host of the show. I'm a registered nurse, health educator, and I have Wayne on the line who has a urethral question, I think in part because we're talking about sounding. Hello, Wayne. Hi. How are you? I missed a bit of that, um, but I have been thinking about... um, It sounds interesting as a sexual kind of thing. I don't even know what my question is. Um, you were, have had you been thinking about sounding before you'd heard it here on the CKNW Sunday Night Section? Oh yes, I, I have. see. Okay, so did and you have? So, the, but the scary part is, I mean, I'm worried about damage and I'm worried about um, hurting myself. But I'm also thinking, you know, I don't. It it sounds like an interesting thing to do sexually. Well, it's a good thing you're worried about damaging yourself because you have to be really careful with it. Uh, It is a practice that really requires attention and education and reading up on it. Uh, So, And you want to use lots of lube, not only on the sound itself, but you want to use it around the urethral meatus, and then you want to insert it. I'm sorry, meatus? The urethral meatus, that area, that entrance into the glands of the penis. Okay. Uh, So you want to use lube around that. So just lube up all over the place. Um, and lube the sound, and then insert the sound. And you want to you choose a sound. It's generally the mid-sized sound. There's usually like five to eight of them that come in a set. You want to use a mid-sized sound, but more importantly, you want to use one that just provides a little bit of a resistance, not one that will dilate or um, feel like it's stretching. Okay, so you want to, it's generally a mid-sized one, so you want a minimum of resistance and no feeling of stretching, and then you insert it a bit, and then you, and you've got lots of lube on it, and you almost let it fall into the penis, uh, into the urethra. You were talking about, you were talking about um, up to the prostate. This can go uh, down as far, you know, for some. I don't want to go that far, I don't think. Be careful. um, yeah. But, <laughs> then but, letting but, it but, fall, it won't. It shouldn't. My, 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 uh, okay, so I have an enlarged prostate. Okay. Is, is that a good thing or a bad thing to be dealing with? Well, I'm, I, I was just, I'm just looking at something sexual for the penis, but... Right. Yikes. Uh I don't even know what my question is for you, Maureen. I'm sorry. No, not to worry at all. Um, You have an enlarged penis. Has that been diagnosed? Are you under a physician's care? A urologist's care? Uh, I've gone to see uh, a urologist, and I don't know what to do next. You need to have have faith in your urologist. Go to a good urologist, because an enlarged prostate is a complex. It can be a complex problem, and there are lots of treatments for in uh, large prostates, some have side effects and some have complications. But um, 
Yeah, you know, he, gave, find the he reason. gave me a he gave me a prescription for something, and it it didn't really help much. And then when I stopped doing the script, then it um, yeah. Did you have symptoms? I'm going to have to go back and see him again. I think you are. Did you have uh, symptoms like a slow urinary stream or feeling of incomplete bladder emptying, difficulty starting urination, urgency, getting up at night, straining to void, dribbling, anything like that? All of the above. There you go. Uh, So you know what? You need to go back, and and I would not actually uh, start the practice of sounding until you get your prostate sorted out because you're probably at greater risk for a urinary tract infection. And I would also talk to the urologist about sounding. Doctors are trained to talk about sex, so it's absolutely fine. There's no reason for you to be embarrassed about it. Thank you, my dear. You are very welcome. Thank you for the call. So a little bit more education there on sounding. Uh, If you're thinking about it, it's a great idea to... Get a checkup. Go and see how your health is. See how your prostate is. Make sure, you know, you understand the risks associated with this. You can get a urinary tract infection. You can injure the uh, tissues of your tissue of your urethra. So um, you have to be very, very careful and really educate. But it is something that people are hearing about. Uh, so being that you're... Your sounds being clean and sterile as much as possible and using lots of lube and being very careful, never forcing it. Those are some of the of the golden rules around it. So you can always email me if you have any other questions, sextalk at cknw.com. I'm not suggesting you do this. I'm just suggesting you educate yourselves about this because this is a practice that is out there. So I have another question about... Uh, I did actually say that, um, before I go into the emails, I did actually write a blog about threesomes because I get so many questions about threesomes. And I had a question from a listener uh, about her boyfriend wanting, suggesting that they engage in a threesome. And she felt it was disrespectful that he asked that question of course she felt like she wasn't enough. And those are two common thoughts when a boyfriend or a husband, because it's more common that men fantasize about threesomes. I mean, women engage, both men and women engage, but it's more common that men fantasize about it. It's more common that women seek out the third party. So this particular question was, Dear Maureen, my boyfriend keeps asking me if I'm interested in having a threesome with him and a female colleague of his. Not only does does this make me feel like there's something wrong with me, I feel very disrespected. My friends have said that this is the only way I will be able to keep him or any man sexually satisfied and, and interested in me over the long term. What do you think? Sincerely, stuck in the middle. I loved her, uh, <laughs> what she called herself. Um... I I well I wrote a blog about it so you feel free to go to my website or my blog back to the bedroom-blog.ca and I basically said from how she's feeling she probably doesn't want to have a twosome with him but uh that's not the point here. Uh I understood how her perception for his cries for a threesome I I I understand his question. I what I don't understand is her perception that his cries for a threesome are disrespectful because simply put it's just a question and if you can't ask a question in a relationship respect is the least of your concerns 
So her boyfriend has every right to ask whatever question he so desires, and so does she for that matter. Everybody has a different concept of sex, but for him, the threesome may only be about erotic fantasy, but it's definitely about pleasure, and after all, that is what sex is about. So being in a relationship with him shouldn't preclude him from experiencing pleasure through other intimate and loving ways that include her. What if he didn't ask her to join in the threesome? That would have been trouble. He's not seeking a threesome outside of her relationship, after all. But anyway, you can read a little bit more about uh, my blog on backtothebedroom-blog.ca, which is also on my website, backtothebedroom.ca. You can call me, if you like, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. I'm going to read you the email from Ryan about anal sex, and then I'm going to answer his question when I return. So here's his question. Hi, Maureen. I was wondering about this. When I have sex with my boyfriend, it hurts lots. Why is this? We are both male. Okay, there are lots of myths around anal sex. And I'll tell you one thing. One of the myths is that it will hurt. But anal sex doesn't have to hurt. I'm going to address more about anal sex when I return. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Now a two-hour show. We're going at this longer, baby. And uh, I have Ryan on the line. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Hello, Ryan. Yes, hello. How are you? Pretty good. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Hi. I had a question about anal. and I was with my last boyfriend and it didn't hurt. Oh. And now my current... My current boyfriend, it seems to hurt. Oh, I see. Okay. So, I'm is it, go I'm ahead. Is maybe, maybe his penis too big? It's eight inches long. Uh, is it, how does it hurt, Ryan? Describe kind the pain. Like, like when he tries to insert his penis in and tries to thrust, it kind of feels painful. Mm-hmm. Well, it may be that anatomically, it's a, there's a bit of discrepancy there, that it may be that it's... Um, that if it hurts at the thrust and he is larger than your last boyfriend, is it hurting inside or around the entrance? Like when you try to push it in, it's hurting and inside both. So it's hurting both times. Yes. Um, and are you using lots of lube? We are. Yes. Okay. Do, do, do you have an infection or do either of you have an infection? Have you been checked for an infection? As far as I know, we're both clean. We've both been checked. And, uh... When was the last time you were checked? Last month. Last month, and so both of you were um, were clean. Okay, yeah. so are you finding that uh, the sex is not pleasurable then? No, not with this current boyfriend, no. Not with his current boyfriend. And how is it for him? Oh, he said he likes it. And, and, and the reverse, is that okay? Yes. Okay, are you able to um, experience orgasm with uh, anal sex? I was my old boyfriend, but not this one. No. Not this one, because it, it hurts too much. Yes. It okay. turns me off. I, I imagine. Often pain, painful sex, does turn people off, and it leads to low sexual desire. Um, have, you, have you tried any other positions? You know, literally, I mean, obviously, just positioning, positioning yourselves in a different manner. We haven't. Not with my current boyfriend, No. You might try some different positions. You know, definitely check that neither one of you has an infection. Um, and is it less painful if 
he doesn't thrust so hard, and I know that's hard to hold back on for somebody. I've only, I've only tried it once with this current boyfriend. Oh, you've only tried it once with this current boyfriend? Yeah, because I thought it was too painful. I didn't know if I wanted to do it again. Right. And so how long have you been together? About four months. Oh, and you've only tried it once. Okay, um, so do you have this idea in your head that it's going to all because once it hurts, it always hurts? But this current guy, yes, because he's on the big side. Right. Um, and so are you vowing never to go back again or to shut the back door because of this, you know, one negative experience? I'd like to try it again, but I don't know what to do so it won't hurt. Well, I might go slower. Take it really slow and actually graduate in size. So, you know, he, you're going to have to work together on this. And he's going to have to uh, not maybe perhaps not enter as, as deep, perhaps not thrust as much, and use lube. You're going to have to go buy a gallon of lube. Uh, and, and you said it, it it hurts at the entrance as well, upon his entry. So is, is his girth wider? Yes, he's on the wide side. Yeah. Yes. Have you tried rimming at all or just trying to expand the uh, anus? I haven't tried that, no. You might try that prior to. And you're definitely, and it's going to be hard for you, Ryan, because yeah. you have to be nice and relaxed. Um, right. So if you, you know, do stimulate your anus, it may actually open things up a little bit and, and relax and you take nice slow deep breaths during it and that might help as well. Uh, are you afraid that it's going to cause physical damage? I'm hoping it won't. Uh, but is that a worry for you? A little bit, yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, using the lube will help to prevent that and going slower will also help to prevent that as I mean, well. I do finger I do finger myself when I'm by myself. Yeah. But your finger doesn't sound like it's as large as his penis, to be quite honest no. with you. No, no, it's not. Uh, well, those are some of the things you can do. And also, are you using condoms when you uh, have anal sex? Yes, we are. You are. Okay. The so, latex-free kind. I'm allergic to latex. Okay, well, that's that's a good thing. Well, it sounds like, uh, you know, we might just try it, go back at it again, and try again, take it slower, not so deep, use lots of lube, and... Um, and always ensure that you don't have have an infection. And my second question. Yeah. With my boyfriend, I would like to try public sex. Is that well, normal or? Well, it's a fantasy, um, you know, and it may be a, it may be a bit of a fetish of yours. So I would actually caution you against that because that could cross over into the uh, criminal zone, shall we say? But um, you know, it depends. I mean, a lot of people have public sex. There's lots of places that you can privately have public sex. Uh, so, you know, as long as you're extremely careful about it, you know, sometimes beaches are better or, or parks or soundproof yeah. bathrooms in restaurants or something like that. I've always, I've always fantasized about having sex, my boyfriend in the female's washroom. Well, that will be something for us to walk in on. So, uh, <laughs> thanks a lot. No, <laughs> um, you know what? Not everyone has to, uh, act upon their fantasies. And I've friend. also, like, for some reason lately, like last few days, I've, I fantasize about having sex with his stepmom. Oh, well, you know, um, the fantasies are, that's exactly what they are. They are fantasies. And I don't know uh, why. When I'm around his stepmom, I get really horny. Well, you know. They're, normal? Or? Well, it, it's, you know what, normal is a, is a relative term. 
it's, you know, something may have occurred. You may have seen her at one point. Um, this is your stepmother you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, you may have seen her at, at, at one point getting undressed or whatever and had guilty thoughts or, I mean, this is... I mean, there was happened. one point I had forgot to my home. I come home and she was having, I guess, a shower and I saw her walk back to the bedroom and she was naked. And... Yeah. And then did you have a desire to go try on her panties? Oh, well, right away I got a heart on and then... And I wanted to go try her clothes on. Yeah, exactly. That that commonly happens. So, you know, when, you can replace your fantasies. If you're uncomfortable with that, you can actually purposefully replace your fantasies with something else that you feel more comfortable with and is healthier. Okay? I think. All right. Well, thank you so much for your call. All right. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye, Bye now. Bye. Okay. Well, we pretty much covered uh, <laughs> all the myths around anal sex. So the myth that may cause you physical damage. Um, and the truth of that is any sort of sex the wrong way can cause damage. So, you know, for example, even if somebody's vaginal dry, vaginally dry, that may cause some damage. Uh, the other myth is that you don't need to use condoms when you have anal sex. The truth is this is a misconception because many people think that because there is no pregnancy risk, you don't also need to use a condom. This is wrong times three. Anyway, most ST eyes are transferable through the anus, such as chlamydia, gonorrhea, infectious hepatitis, and HIV. You don't want to get any of those, believe you me. Uh, And the other myth is that once anal sex hurts, it will always hurt. Not true either. Uh, You've got to start to, you know, work together on it. And you just doesn't mean you have to shut the front, the back door. (laughs) Definitely don't shut the front door. Um, Anyway, but you've got to go slow. Take it slowly. Graduate in size. And so it doesn't always have to hurt. It's just has to be done correctly. Anyway, we're going to wrap this baby up. I'll come back. I'll tell you where I'm going to be upcoming. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I didn't get to a couple subjects tonight. One thing, the importance of vaginal exams, pelvic exams. They detect cancer. They detect cervical cancer, ovarian cancer, uterine cancers, vaginal atrophy. So it's really important that your doctor examine you, especially if you have a problem with your lady town bits. So I suggest you do that. I also didn't get to the threesome positions again. Fancy that. That's something to look forward to this uh, for next week. That's what I'll be finally getting to as well. I want to tell you about the women's health clinics that I'm running at London Drugs. Tomorrow afternoon from 3 to 7 p.m., I'm going to be at the London Drugs in Delta at 5237 48th Ave. If you have a sexual health problem, you want to come and talk to me about it, I won't be examining you there because it's not my clinical practice, so it'll be more about education and just somebody to talk to you about your issue, perhaps guide you in the, in the right direction as to what healthcare practitioner you should see about this. You can come and make an appointment. You need to call the local uh, London Drugs. So I'm going to be in Delta on Monday from 3 to 7 p.m. And then I'm going to head out to Langley on Tuesday from 3 to 7 p.m. at that London Drugs. And then on Wednesday, I'm in New Westminster on 6th Street, that one. And then uh, on Thursday, I'll be wrapping it up in, in Vancouver on West Broadway from 3 to 7 p.m. So feel free to make an appointment at any one of those. As you probably know by now, may or may not, I'm actually doing a TEDx Stanley Park presentation or TEDx talk, I should say, on May 28th, 2016 at the Queen Elizabeth Theater. So if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, you don't, 
you can go to the TEDx Stanley Park website. Um, it would be great to see you there. I'm talking about the sexist marriage and, let's see, pornography, infidelity, divorce, chronic masturbation. It's all going to be tied up in my talk. Uh, also going to be talking about tying up. So uh, hopefully you'll come and uh, hear what I have to say about all of these years of clinical practice uh, dealing with couples who are not having that much sex. And when they are, they're not having that great of sex. And that can cause a huge problem in a relationship. So I, uh, I invite you to come to that. Now, this Tuesday morning on the 15th, I'm going to be on the John McComb Show with Jennifer Thompson on their Therapy Tuesday session. So you may want to call in. I think it starts at 9.12 in the morning, and it might go till about 9.32 or so. So we're answering relationship questions, life questions, anything at all. So I'll try and give you uh, my best wisdom. Uh, you can always go to my website, www.backtothebedroom.ca. You can follow me on Twitter at Back the Number Two The Bedroom. My blog is back to the bedroom blog.ca. I've written about the importance of vaginal exams and what happened to one woman who went to about five doctors and nobody ever looked at her down there. Uh, and I also wrote a blog about menage a trois, so that might be something interesting for you to read in prep for my when I finally get to threesome positions. Anyway, it has been a pleasure being here with you this evening. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. Get some sleep. And remember, when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance. I'm Maureen McGrath. You have been listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show.